So today we're going to look at a number of verses today. We're going to see a lot of different places. We'll start out in Psalms. Let's go to Psalm 9. Um, is the first, first passage we'll read together. Kind of a little different in this, this service than normal. Usually we'll have a text and basically try to stick with that text and look at some, some other passages that go with it. Today we're going to do more of a topical uh, look. And uh, we're going to be looking at all heart. Uh, I put out on Facebook yesterday... I think it was yesterday, um, and I said, you know, invited people out to come to the conclusion of our series uh, throughout February, and then I put the title of the sermon, All Heat. <laughs> Later on in the night, I was looking, I said, oh, that's not what it's supposed to say, so I edited it, so now it says All Heart. That's the name of the title. The title of the sermon today is All Heart, and um, I was just thinking and, and uh, trying to figure out and praying about what to do in this, this last Sunday in February. And, uh, and God just kind of put on my heart the, the phrase, with all your heart. And uh, you started looking in the Bible and you started to see all the phrases uh, with their whole heart, or with your whole heart, with all your heart, with all thine heart, with all thy heart. And there's a bunch of them. So I began to look at them and see, well, what were they talking about? Because the first one that comes to mind is Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And uh, so I started to look, and there's a bunch in Deuteronomy, there's a bunch in Psalms, there's a number in Jeremiah, and a few in the, the New Testament as well. And when I looked at them, and, they, and I found about, that there's technically, I think, eight or nine, nine or ten different things that the verses talked about. We're going to look at eight of them today, um, at things that we should do with all of our heart. Um, many of you will remember 1996. The uh, Olympics games, Summer Olympic Games in 1996. There was the American gymnast uh, team, gymnastic team, and they were called the Magnificent Seven. Now, when we watched the Olympics, number one, in my house growing up, the Olympics were a big deal. We loved the Olympics. Summer, winter, it didn't matter. We loved the Olympics. And I oftentimes found myself in front of the television because whatever was on is what you watched. You know, we didn't have cable or anything. So it was whatever's there, that's what we were watching. And we watched it all. So I remember sadly many times as a young boy watching figure skating. Uh, but hey, you cheered when the Russians fell and, 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 uh, and then when the Americans stuck the triple Lutz or whatever it was that they stuck. And, uh, and I, so I remember 1996 very vividly and the gymnastics were going on. And you remember Carrie Strug, she broke her ankle or her foot. And I uh, remember she was coming up to the, I believe it was the pole vault. And, uh, and you knew she was injured. You knew she was hurt. And she was gritting it out. These little short girls, you know, well, I don't know how old they are, 15, 16, whatever. And you could tell she was in pain, but she ran down uh, that lane as fast as she could. She jumped off the trampoline, flipped over the pole vault, and stuck the landing. And I remember my house, me and my sister and my mom and my dad. I don't remember my dad going crazy. The rest of us went crazy. Oh, that was awesome. That was so neat. And she's sitting there hobbling on one foot, you know, trying to stand and then steady herself. You knew she was in pain, but you knew that she gave everything that she had for that one landing that she had to get so that the American team could win. We'll look at different heroic performances. We could look at a number of different examples throughout history, especially in the sports world of people who gave everything they had for this moment. When we're talking about things in the Bible, and we're talking about with all of our heart, our whole heart, it is the same mindset. Everything that we have to do what we ought to do for God. 
sadly, many times in the Christian life, we don't give it our all. We, we do what's convenient. We, we give when it's convenient. We work or volunteer when it's convenient. We uh, are kind to people when we're in a good mood. Uh, we are uh, whatever it is, only when it's convenient. And we oftentimes don't put our all into the things of God. And it's a sad truth, but in many cases it is truth. So I want to look at eight things that the Bible talks about, either the whole heart or all thine heart or all your heart or some kind of variation to that. And we're going to look at these eight things today and then we're going to break for lunch. So let's start off here in Psalm 9. And actually we're not quite to that yet either. We're going to start off with praise. This is a great thing this morning when we woke up and there was water in our bedroom and water in the, the kids' playroom and water in the laundry room. And I was hauling uh, the shop vac bucket. You know, we'd suck up some water and then haul the bucket outside and dump it. And I remember I was walking outside with the first load of the shop vac bucket. And as I was getting ready to dump it out, I thought to myself, my first point in the sermon this morning is praise the Lord with all your heart. And I dumped out <laughs> the bucket and I said, God, you're good. Walk back inside, put it back together. It wasn't with my whole heart, maybe. But, uh, but Psalm 113.1 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's pray first, and let's look at praise, and we'll go through the rest of them as well. Lord, again, I come to you with, uh, with needs today. Lord, I need you to help as we look at your word and present the truths of your word. Lord, would you help me to present it clearly and correctly? God, would you clear out distractions from my mind? And Lord, would you help us all to focus in, open our hearts and our minds to what you'd have for us today. Help us to learn. Lord, help us to grow because of your word today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, praise. So we know we're supposed to praise the Lord, right? Sometimes we, we group praise and thanks together, and it is a little different. Not exactly the same. I think that if you're thanking the Lord, there is praise in that. But it is a, a slightly different thought behind it. So let's look at some verses, and then we'll kind of look at what it means. So Psalm 9, verse number 1. I hope you got your fingers ready. We're going to flip a lot, a lot today. Psalm 9, verse number 1. I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. Flip way back to Psalm 111. Psalm 111. Psalm 111, the very first verse, says, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright in the con and in the congregation. Flip over again to 138. Psalm 138, verse 1. I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. All of these, these three passages are Psalms of David. And David here says in each of these three verses, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Praise, the idea of I will allow nothing in my heart to interfere with my praise. The whole heart aspect of praise. I will allow nothing in my heart to interfere with my ability to praise God. Praise, the idea of uh, adoration, the idea of acknowledging the goodness of God. Again, thanks can, can fit into that, but it is different. And praise is this idea of looking at God 
and saying, God, you are good. I'm acknowledging your goodness in my life. I'm acknowledging who you are and what you are to me, and I'm going to praise you for that. This morning as I was dumping the bucket out, and I said, God, you've been good. You've been good to me. I looked around all morning and I said, I don't know how many times, hey, this could have been worse. In most cases, in most cases in life, it can always be worse. I would say there are the rare few that maybe, maybe not. But in most cases in life, there any situation we're in, we can say, yeah, that could have been worse. That could have been much worse. I could have had landlords that are mean. I don't. I have good landlords. Uh, I could have had a wife who would have said, nope, I'm done. Pack everything up. We're leaving. <laughs> I don't have that, thankfully. Um, I could have had bigger dogs that could have drank more water. But anyways, uh, we come back, come back to this point of, I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart. It's not hard for us to say God is good and, and not lie about it. It's not hard for us to say God is good and not lie about it. But can we praise our do we, I should say, praise God with our whole heart? Are we at the point where we can say, I will not allow anything into my heart that is going to interfere with my praise for God? What can interfere with praise for God? Well, bitterness sure can. <laughs> I've been around a lot of Christians in my life. My entire life I've been surrounded by Christians, uh, really until I moved here. Uh, and, and I've seen bitterness in, in every stop I've been in. We get hurt. We take it very personal. And we just struggle with letting go of that, forgiving that hurt. And so it creeps into our heart, and then our heart is filled with this hatred, with this disgust, and we just get bitter and angry. Well, now I can't praise God with my whole heart. Why? Because my heart has bitterness in it. Pride. Pride can uh, keep us from praising God. Why? Because, boy, am I special. <laughs> Well, God can't be special if I'm special. Pride can keep us from praising God with our whole heart. What are we allowing into our heart that interferes with my praise for God? This message is going to be very, very simple today. But we come to this understanding and this realization where David says, now remember, think of David. Think about what David's been through in his life. Now, we have this as inspired by God given to us to read. But this is still David's personality. This is still David, his prayer and his response to God of, I will praise thee with my whole heart. David was uh, uh, someone who his own son did not appreciate. His own son tried to take his throne, did take his throne for a brief time. His son was, uh, was okay with killing him. Uh, this was a guy who, who uh, as a younger man, was serving under the King Saul, and he, he didn't do anything wrong to King Saul. As a matter of fact, we see over and over again in David's life where he did right by Saul when most of us would not. Saul tried to kill him multiple times. Yet, David can say, I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart. Now, why can David say that? He can say it for the same reason you and I can, because God never let him down. We go through discouraging times and sometimes, maybe unknowingly, we blame God for it. Well, God let that circumstance into my life. Well, God allowed, God allowed that to happen to me. Well, God let that person get that raise or get that promotion over me. Well, God let that person still live a happy life even though they've ruined mine, whatever it may be. 
The reality is, is God has never done anything wrong to you. He's never wronged you. The Bible says that every good gift is from God. Everything I have in my life that is good, God gave to me. I had a birthday recently. I got some presents. And I said, well, my wife gave me that or my kids got me that. The reality is, is, is God gave me my wife and God gave me my kids. Every good gift is from the Lord. I don't know which one of you is the good one, but nonetheless, I'm just kidding. They're both good. They're good gifts. Everything I have from God is good. Everything that, that I have in my life uh, that I would consider good, God gave to me. God's never wronged me. There are times where I don't understand why God did or allowed what He did, but, but I can rest in the fact that God's never going to do me wrong. So I should be able to, as David did, praise the Lord with my whole heart. Are you praising God? Number one, are you praising God at all? Number two, if you are, are you praising God with your whole heart? Or do you allow other things to interfere in your heart that keep you from praising God the way that you're supposed to? Number one is praise. Number two, let's look at seek. Uh, we're still in Psalm, so let's go to Psalm 119. We're going to look at a couple different books uh, in this, this point. But in 1 Chronicles 16.11, the Bible says, Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek, seek His face continually. I believe we would all agree, as I think we will with every point, that we are supposed to seek God. Seek God. Look for. Seek God. Well, look in Psalm 119, verse number 2. It says, Blessed are they that keep His testimonies, and that seek Him with the whole heart. Still Psalm 119, jump down to verse 10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Uh, let's turn to... Let's go to Deuteronomy first. Deuteronomy chapter 4. If you've got a bookmark or something and you want to place it in Deuteronomy, we'll come back to Deuteronomy a number of times today. But Deuteronomy chapter 4, and look in verse 29. Deuteronomy 4 verse 29. But uh, if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find Him. If thou seek Him with all thy heart, and with all thy soul. Jump over to Jeremiah. I know we're flipping a lot. If you have an electronic phone, it might benefit you today. <laughs> Jeremiah 29. Electronic phone. Everybody has an electronic phone. If you have an electronic Bible is what I meant to say. Uh, Jeremiah 29. And let's look in verse 13. Jeremiah 29, verse 13. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We see in these passages that the idea of seeking the Lord, but not just seeking, but seeking with all our heart, what does that mean? It means continual, nonstop, searching for. Have you ever lost something important? I'm trying to think. I don't know that I have. But if you've ever lost something that's like really, really important to you, you hear stories of people. I remember we have a friend, uh, Brother Matt. He preached here last February, Matt Downs and his wife, April. Um, we were at an activity when we worked at the camp, and, and uh, we were out at a state park playing football, the guys were, and he lost his wedding ring. He'd only been married for about a month or two at the time, if I remember correctly. I think that's right. Uh, but we were out playing football. He lost his ring in this massive field. And I remember we were getting ready to leave, and he realized his ring was gone. And you know, we're packing up. We had food and all this kind of stuff everywhere, and we we're packing everything up. Next thing you know, everybody's out in this field, 
looking, crawling around. You know, sun is beginning to set, so it's kind of getting darker. And everybody's trying to figure it out and find. And I think everybody was out there searching for a solid half hour, maybe. And then eventually he said, hey, we got to get back. Everybody load up. We'll, you know, we'll figure it out later. And I remember that fervency of looking. As a matter of fact, him and his wife went out the next day and uh, got a uh, metal detector and went out and searched, and he finally found his ring while he was out there. But it was a... It was an intense searching for. I was talking with some coworkers on Monday about wedding rings. Um, me and my boss, we spent about the same amount of money on engagement rings and wedding rings for our wives. The girl that works with us, she works the front desk. Um, she grew up a little different than we did, so her ring cost a little bit more. Uh, she was a little appalled by how much we spent on our rings. Couldn't believe that any woman would put a ring on that cost that amount. But nonetheless, um, uh, you know, if I lost my ring, man, I'd be mad. I'd be upset about it, but I'd get over it pretty quickly. Um, I don't know if my wife would or not. I hope not. I hope she loves her ring. But nonetheless, because uh, for me, it was a lot of money. But anyways, not the point. Uh, if you're to lose something that was very important to you, you're going to look and look and look and look and look, and you're never going to stop looking. You, know, you lose a pet. You put up signs. You go searching for, and maybe the first day, the pet does, you don't find the pet. So the next day you're out, you're looking, you're searching, you don't find the pet. And you may stop going out every day and looking, but you still have that hope. Somebody will find my, my pet. Somebody will see a picture. Nowadays with everything that we have online, somebody will see a post, somebody will see something, they'll find my pet and they'll bring it back to me. And you have that hope until, until either you find it or you, you find it not the way you want it. And you always have that, that, that hope and that, that, that consistent thinking about Will I ever find it? Seeking the Lord, seeking His face, seeking wisdom, seeking the things of God. We ought to be doing this regularly, consistently, nonstop, searching for God. God tells us in Deuteronomy and in Jeremiah, He says the same thing. When ye shall search for me with your whole heart, or with all your heart, you will find me. There have been instances in my life where I, I have said, God, there's, there's still an instance in my life where I say, God, I do not understand. It's not that I'm mad. It's not that I'm angry. It's just I don't understand, and I would really like to understand. And so it's a consistent matter for me of, Lord, show me. I want to know. I, I think it would help me if I knew why this happened or is happening. Lord, show me. And so I seek God. There are times where we, we have very uh, intense questions. We just say, Lord, I don't understand. I read in the Bible and I see this, but I don't get it. I want to understand, God. Speak to me. Show me. Teach me. So we seek God out. But if we're only seeking God out once a week, twice a week, a couple times a month, we're not going to find it. I know people who look for jobs and say, hey, uh, how's the job search going? Eh, haven't really heard anything from anybody. All right, well, what have you done? Well, I put in a few resumes last week. All right. So what would you do today? Eh, just kind of waiting. <laughs> well, my experience is you're not going to find a job unless, unless you're constantly going for one. When I moved here, I put in 30 resumes. I didn't get one call back. That was frustrating, no, no, no doubt. 
But that didn't mean I just stopped and go, well, I guess I don't have to work. <laughs> it didn't work that way. You keep searching until finally God gives. And that's a, an easy example, but the reality is with the things of God, so often we'll say, well, yeah, we need to seek God. Yeah, we need to seek God. I mean, the Bible says in First Chronicles, seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Well, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that. Okay, but do you? <laughs> do you seek God with your whole heart? Continuous, nonstop seeking. Number three, obey. Oh, I love this one. Uh, go with me to, um, let's go back to Psalm 119. We'll be in Deuteronomy also, but Psalm 119. John 14, 15 says, If you love me, God says, keep my commandments. That is the simplest of verses in the Bible. If you love me, keep my commandments. We've already talked about this, this month. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you love me, God says. We say, yeah, God, I love you. He says, and why aren't you obeying? Well, you don't understand. Uh, I mean, it's been a very busy week. If you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, it's so simple. Look in Psalm 119, verse 34. Psalm 119, verse 34. Um, Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Skip down to verse 69. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep my precept, thy precepts with my whole heart. This is a fixed purpose. I'm obeying with my whole heart. I'm keeping your commandments with my whole heart. I have a fixed purpose like Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. It's the same idea. It's a purpose. It's a decision that I'm making that no matter what, I'm going to obey God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy and... um, We'll look at two different passages in Deuteronomy. Let's start in verse, uh, chapter 26. Deuteronomy 26. Deuteronomy 26. So we're talking about obeying with our whole heart or with all of our heart. Deuteronomy 26. Look in verse 16. Nope. That's, oh, I'm in the wrong book. That's why. <laughs> I can read, I promise. Uh, Deuteronomy 26. Let me get there. Maybe. All right, Deuteronomy 26 and verse 16. Still not there, sorry. There we are. This day the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Flip over to chapter 30, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse number 2. We're seeing here Moses talking to the people, giving him the things that God has told him. Look in verse number 2. It says, and sh- uh, let's look at verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 1 says, And it shall come to pass when all these things are come upon thee, the blessings and the curse which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee, and shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey his voice according to all that I commanded thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart, and with all thine soul. It's interesting because I think the children of Israel are a great example to us. We've looked at them through the, uh, through the Exodus and through the uh, Joshua and now into the Judges. And we see the example that Israel is to us. And we see here them being commanded. Keep God's word. Keep God's commandments. Obey God with all your heart. Why? Because if you don't, you're not going to obey God. It's just that simple. 
Um, I remember in college, we had rules, lots of rules. Not as much as some of you had in your college, but nonetheless, we still had lots of rules. And, and, uh, and with those rules, it was, okay, these are the rules, so I got to obey them. And there were some rules that with all my heart I obeyed. And there were other rules that I obeyed because I knew I was kind of supposed to that eventually I didn't obey anymore. Uh, I remember growing up at the camp, I, I knew everything about the camp inside and out. I was born there, raised there, knew everything about it. I was there 26 years. Hopefully, Evangelist Bill Rice III won't listen to this before he comes and preaches here in a couple weeks. All right, so I was at the camp as a teenager. I knew everything. I knew, I, 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 I knew everything. So after lights out, boys, plug your ears. After lights out at camp during the summer, I would stay in the, there was a place for all the high school workers would all stay in the same area. And uh, so after lights out, when you're supposed to go to sleep, we'd usually stay up and talk for a little bit, which wasn't a big deal. They didn't necessarily care about that, but you were never supposed to leave, leave the room, leave, leave the building. So there were times after lights out that we would go, we'd sneak into the dining hall, get something to drink. You know, they got Coke machines in there, Pepsi machines in there. So, all right, get something to drink. Maybe you knew where the ice cream was stored. Get some, some ice cream, something like that. Go swimming. We go swimming sometimes, uh, which was a, uh, I found out when I was on full-time staff, that was a huge no-no, <laughs> but we did it. Uh, there were two rules that I, that, I, that I did obey with all my heart when I worked at the camp. Number one, I never broke any rules with horses because I was afraid I'd get killed, literally. Uh, and number two, I never broke any rules with girls because I knew I'd get killed <laughs> as well. Those are the two rules. I said, no matter what I do, I will not break rules with horses, and I will not break rules with girls. With horses, you, any kind of accident, smallest of accidents, you can get seriously hurt. Uh, I understood that. I don't like getting hurt. I've told you that many times. And then with girls, if my dad ever found out, I knew it was over for me. And so I just said, these are rules that I felt like were, were off the table to break. I can't break these rules. And so I obeyed them with all my heart. And those rules, because I obeyed them with all my heart, I never broke them. I'm not saying I never did anything that wasn't very smart on a horse, but I never broke a rule. And so, you see, we come to this point of obedience to God. And those are silly illustrations, but, uh, but we look at obedience to God. How many times do we say, I, I, I just refuse to break this commandment of God? When me and my wife were dating and engaged, before we got married, we said the word divorce was not allowed in our house. We said it's not allowed. It's never an option. It's never an option. We won't allow it. It changes the way we have a marriage. Because in today's society, there's always an out. Well, if I don't have problems or if I don't end up not liking this person eventually, if jobs don't go the way we thought they would, if... Uh, kids don't work out the way we thought they would, well, I'll just start over with somebody else. That's an option. And because it's an option, oftentimes it happens. I haven't looked at the recent stats. The last one I looked at said 50% of marriages ended in divorce. I wouldn't be surprised if it's higher than that now. Why? Because it's an option. And we decided, we said in our house, that's not an option for us. So we don't have to worry about it. Now, obviously, if I did something very wrong I can count on my wife leaving <laughs> I promise you that but we said you know what we, we fall out of love whatever that is divorce isn't an option for us so we come back to this obedience of God a purpose a fixed purpose with all my heart I'm going to obey God 
God says, don't do this. I will not do that. Why? Because God said not to. I am determining, I am fixing, I am, I am purposing in my heart, I'm not going to break that law. And we'll do that with the, the big ones, right? We'll do that with adultery. We'll do that with um, stealing. We'll do that with murder. We'll do that with different things like that. Yet, how often do we, do we have pride in our lives? How often do we have bitterness in our lives? How often do we lie? How often do we do all these things that we go, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's a huge deal. Because God says, obey. Follow my commandments and do it with your whole heart. And we say, well, I'm going to obey God. But we've not purposed in our heart. We've not decided. We've not done it with our whole heart, with all of our heart. A fixed purpose, that's what it means. Obey God with a fixed purpose, with all your heart. Number four, uh, let's keep this moving. Prayer. Jeremiah 33 is our, is our verse for the year. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Psalm 119, if you're there, verse 58. Psalm 119 and verse 58. We know we're supposed to pray. We've talked about that all of January. We know we're supposed to pray. We know we're supposed to call to God. Now look in Psalm 119, verse 58. The Bible says, I entreated thy favor. I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. Be merciful unto me according to thy word. Look in verse 145. Psalm 119, verse 145. 145. David again says, I cried with my whole heart. Hear me, O Lord, I will keep thy statutes. Now these verses, we see here a prayer being prayed. In verse 58 where he says, um, let me get back there, I entreated thy favor. I have prayed for favor more times with God than I've prayed for a lot of things. Go into a job interview, Lord, I need favor. Go into a new community, Lord, I need favor. I haven't been pulled over by a cop in a long time, but when I did, Lord, I need favor. You see, uh, here it is prayed, and uh, I entreated thy favor. I'm praying for it. I need it. I do it with my whole heart. Lord, be merciful unto me. He says again in verse 145 uh, as well, talking about praying or in a prayer, I cried with my whole heart, hear me, O Lord. If you've not been in a situation where you've been begging God to hear you, count yourself blessed. So we get into points in our lives and we get into some moments in our lives and we say, God, if I've ever needed you, I need you right now. But see, these are not the only times that we should be praying like that with our whole heart. Prayer with our whole heart is this, uh, this earnest fervent, uh, deep from within, burning desire, need that we have for God to hear us. And we should pray that way all the time. But we've gotten into our routines in life. Lord, bless this food. I'm telling you, I don't know if those prayers get past the ceiling. (laughs) There are times where I think when we're praying and we're truly saying, God, thank you for this. Lord, thank you. I've prayed many times. Lord, thank you for the provision of this food. Birthday meal. Not a normal meal in our house. Usually a little nicer than normal. We have good meals. My wife is a wonderful cook. She does a great job with it. But we budget. So you got to fit the budget for most things. Birthdays, we blow the budget out, out of the roof. All right. Uh, so we had a big old steak. I say we. I don't know. What did you guys eat on my birthday? It wasn't steak. My dad scolded me for that. What, your kids aren't getting steak either? No, they're not getting steak either. I don't know what you guys ate. Sloppy Joe's? Seriously? Awesome. All right. So I... <laughs> 
So I had a big old juicy steak. I had a pile of fried okra and a pile of mac and cheese. And, uh, and so, but when I prayed for that meal with my wife, I said, Lord, thank you for the finances to purchase this food. And I meant it with all sincerity. I was grateful for that steak. It was a big one, too. I probably could have shared it with my kids. <laughs> my dad may listen to this later. Dad, you were right. Uh, he did. He scolded me on the phone. What are your kids eating? Are they eating steak, too? No, they're not eating steak. Why not? Because I didn't buy steak for them. <laughs> well, that's not very nice. Dad, I don't ever remember having steak growing up. Well, yeah, but I didn't have it either. All right, good point. So, nonetheless, <laughs> how did I get there? Prayer. With all your heart, be earnest. Be fervent in your prayer. You have a need that you're praying for? Don't just toss it up, so to say. Pray. Think about what you're praying. Think about who you're praying to and pray with all your heart. Lord, we have this physical need. Lord, we have this financial need. Lord, we have this wisdom need. God, provide. Pray with all your heart. Number five, repentance. This one's a little different. Repentance. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 3 for this one. Jeremiah chapter 3. Matthew 4, 7 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to do and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. So we know Christ preached repentance while He was on this earth. We know that John the Baptist preached repentance as well. We know that the disciples preached repentance. We know that preachers over the years have preached repentance. We know repentance is important. A repentance is a complete 180. It's a turning from where you're going and going the opposite direction. So if I'm going this way... To repent of this direction would be now to go this way. A complete opposite direction. So in Jeremiah 30, uh, 3, excuse me, Jeremiah 3, look in verse um, 10. I love the book of Jeremiah. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. Because the way that it relates to America today, is, it's just incredibly, um, it's not coincidental, but it's, it's, oh my goodness. Read the book of Jeremiah. It'll blow your mind how similar we are today to what Jeremiah's day was going through. Uh, Jeremiah 3, and look in verse number 10. The Bible says, And yet for all this her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. Look in uh, Jeremiah 24. Jeremiah 24. This is talking about how uh, that word we just read was talking about how they did not repent with their whole heart. They did not return with their whole heart. All right, so look in verse 24, uh, chapter 24 and verse number 7. It says, And I will give them uh, an heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. Throughout the book of Jeremiah, we see God talk about um, the destruction that's going to come when you don't obey. And the warning that is given, if you don't obey, this is going to happen. We also see in the book of Jeremiah, restoration. After he warned and after the people didn't listen, and they went away from God and, and, and they were judged because of it or disciplined because of it, he also always says, if you'll come back, I'll always accept you. And oftentimes what we find ourselves in is this moment of life where we're walking a direction and we know it's not right. And we're doing it and we say, well, I know this isn't right, but it's just 
it's just what I want to do right now. I think it's what's, I think it's good for me. I'm just going to keep doing this. And God keeps telling you, no, it's not right. No, it's not right. And we say, oh, but it's okay. It's not that bad. And God says, no, it's not right. And then finally we go, okay, Lord, you're right. This is wrong. I'm going to do right. And we begin to turn, but we don't go all the way. All right, so I'm going to let go of this and let go of this, but I'm going to keep it around as a possibility for later on to come back to. So we begin walking, and we think we're right with God. We think we're doing fine, but the reality is that we haven't turned from that. God says in Jeremiah that these, these folks, after their treacherous works, it was that they, they kind of returned to God, but they didn't do it with their whole heart. When we repent from something that is wrong in our lives, we better do it with everything we've got. This is wrong. I'm getting rid of it. I'm not going to allow it to tempt me. I'm not going to give me the option to get back to it. If it's wrong, it's gone. I'm not going to mess with it anymore. And then we repent. We return. We, we turn the other direction. We go the other way. A complete 180 in 1 Samuel. Don't turn there. As a matter of fact, stay in Jeremiah because we're going to be there in just a moment. Uh, no, we're not. Just kidding. All right. 1 Samuel. Uh, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 3. We've been looking in 1 Samuel here uh, recently. But 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse number 3. It says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, If you do return to the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve Him only, and He will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. He says, If you're going to return to God, then put away this stuff, get rid of it, destroy it, and go to God with all your heart, everything you have. So oftentimes we say, okay, I know I'm supposed to, to, to be close to God. I know I'm supposed to obey God. I know I'm supposed to praise God. I know I'm supposed to seek God. But I'm just having too much fun. I'm finally getting what I, what I feel like I deserve in this life. And if I do that, then I'm going to lose some of this. And so we don't return to God with our whole heart. We don't repent from our sin with our whole heart. We know it's wrong, and we get convicted of it, and we say, okay, I know it's wrong, I know I shouldn't do this, so I'm going to stop. But for whatever reason, we don't get rid of it. And so after a few weeks, months, or years, here we are again, right back at it again. We usually talk about repentance with salvation, but I think it goes much further than that. When you're wrong, when you do wrong, repent of it. Make that 180 with all your heart. Turn away from it. Get rid of it and go to God. Number six. We've got three more, so I need to get moving. Number six, serve. Serve. Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with, uh, with singing. Uh, if you're in 1 Samuel, look in chapter 12. 1 Samuel chapter 12. Serve the Lord with gladness. Boy, that's an easy verse to recite. Oftentimes it's hard to do. We know we're supposed to serve God. We know we're supposed to do the things of God. 1 Samuel 12, look in verse number 20. It says, And Samuel said to the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn aside from following the Lord, but uh, turn not aside, sorry, from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. This is similar to, to what we just talked about with repentance. Uh, in this case, in this verse, um, Joshua tells uh, the people as well in, uh, let me get there, Joshua chapter 22 going the wrong way. Joshua 22 and verse uh, number 5. 
It says, But take diligent heed to do the commandments of the law, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, charged you, to love the Lord your God, and to walk in His ways, and to keep His commandments, and to cleave unto Him, and to serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Oftentimes when we serve God, if I may use the parentheses, if I, when we serve God, we're serving self. We do what we do because it makes us feel good, makes us feel needed, maybe makes us feel important, maybe um, uh, you know, just gives us the temporal joy that we get from doing it. Sadly, oftentimes people don't serve God because they're serving God. I'm not saying everybody. I'm definitely not saying that. But, but oftentimes you'll find in a church people who are serving, but they're serving for the, for the wrong reasons, the wrong motivation. And here we're told, serve God with all your heart. Twice in Deuteronomy it talks about it as well. Serve the Lord with all your heart, not dividing, because you cannot serve God and mammon. So to serve with, with all your heart means I'm only serving God and nothing and no one else. Again, it's a simple thought, but well, we just don't do it. I've met people, well, yeah, I'll serve in the children's ministry as long as my children are in the ministry. Once they get out of it, then I don't really want to be there anymore. It's not to say that they can't do right while they're doing that, but the reality is, is, is oftentimes then it's the wrong motive. It's either I don't trust the other people or, or I just like being with my kids. There's nothing wrong with being with your children. But are we serving the Lord or are we serving something else? Well, I'll help in this ministry, but only if that person's not helping in this ministry. <laughs> All right, well, we're not serving God. I'll serve here if they can give me some kind of payment. Even if it's just candy. <laughs> well, we're not serving God. Serve the Lord with your whole heart. Only God, not dividing. Not dividing it between God and something else because you can't do that. The Bible says that you can't. It's impossible. If you're not serving God alone, then you're serving everything else. Serve God with your whole heart. Number uh, seven, love the Lord. Psalm 31, 23 says, Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. Let's go to the New Testament for this one, Matthew 22. There are some Old Testament verses as well, but let's, let's go to Matthew 22. Deuteronomy, um, there's, I don't know, 30 passages in Deuteronomy maybe, maybe not quite that many. There's a number of passages in Deuteronomy that have your whole heart in it. Uh, so go back and look at that later. But Matthew 22 and verse 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said unto him, uh, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. It says it again in Mark 12, verse 30. Again in Luke 10, verse 27. Also in Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. It says the same thing. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. What does this mean? It means a love that is willing to give up everything. Again, when we're talking about whole and all, it means everything. It, it includes everything. And so when we love the Lord with all our heart, it means I'm willing to give up everything else. My heart doesn't have room for the world. My heart only has room for the Lord. I'm going to love God with all my heart. Well, you know what that means? It also means that because of, if I'm loving God with all my heart, then I'm going to love the people in this world that I'm supposed to love. My enemies and my neighbors. My friends and the people I can't stand. If I'm loving God with all my heart, I'll be able to love them. Otherwise, I can't. I cannot love the people I do not like unless I'm loving God with all my heart. It's impossible for me. I don't know about you. It's impossible for me. And there are people in this world that I do not like. 
But if I'm going to love them, I first have to love God with all my heart. Everything that I have, willing to give up all. Number eight, and lastly, trust. Trust. This is the verse I told you, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Uh, Psalm 37, 3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Uh, turn with me to Joshua 23. This is the last verse we'll turn to today. Joshua 23. Joshua 23, look in verse 14. Joshua 23 and verse number 14. It says, And behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. How can I trust the Lord with all my heart? This means a, a confiding in, a following without reservation, trusting the Lord. How can I do that? Well, Joshua tells his people, and it's the same, it's true for me and you. He says, not one thing hath failed you of all the good things which the Lord promised you. Well, how can I trust God? Because He's never failed me. <laughs> I'm supposed to trust my wife, and I do. But there are certain things that I'm not going to trust my wife in. It's just that way. You know what I never ask my wife? Does this match? I don't. You know what my wife asks me every single day? Does this match? I'm the one that dresses our family most of the time. If they don't match, I didn't dress them. Uh, but most of the time... My wife will ask me, hey, what do you think about this? And I'll go, uh uh-uh. she go, why not? It's the same, same color scheme. No, no, put it away. It's not, we're not doing that today. <laughs> it's not going to work. All right? There are things I'm not going to trust my wife in. Why? Because she's failed in them. There have been times where I said, does this match? And, and she said, yes, early on in our marriage. And then I'm out, or out for the day, and then I get home, and I walk by the mirror, and I go, what am I wearing? How did you let me out of the house looking like this? What's wrong with it? Are you serious? It's horrible. <laughs> they're just things I'm just not going to trust my wife about. Why? Because she's failed in areas. As a whole, do I trust my wife? Yes, I do. But I don't trust her in all things. But with God, I ought to, and I better, trust Him with everything. Why? Because He's never failed me. I can confide in God in any situation and know He's not going to fail me. Trust the Lord with all your heart Lean out to that own understandings, right? Well, so often we, we think we're so smart, and we're really not. I don't mean to belittle you. I'm the least smart of everybody in this room. I don't have a problem with saying that. But so often we think, boy, I'm just so smart. I know what I'm doing. I'm knowledgeable. I'll be fine. And in our, in our heads, we're not saying it as a negative thing towards God. But the reality is, is we didn't even try to trust God for it because we leaned on our own understandings. We make decisions in life that we shouldn't make. I'm guilty of that. I've purchased things that I shouldn't have purchased. It is what it is. I can't change that. But the reality is, the car I own now, I didn't say, hey God, is this okay? And there's been consequences for that. You see, we lean on our own understandings. Well, it has less miles and it has a lower payment and it's got this, so it should be fine. Maybe God would have said, no, nah, that's not the one for you. Maybe he would have said, yeah, this is the car for you and it's going to put you through some, some things that is going to grow you in your relationship with me. I don't know because I didn't ask him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
Everything that you got, confide in and follow without reservation. I went longer than I intended to today. Thank you for your good listening. Listen here, then we're done. All your heart, your whole heart, praise the Lord. Allow nothing in your heart to interfere with with your praise to God. Seek the Lord with your whole heart, continual, nonstop. Obey God with all your heart, a fixed purpose, a decision. I'm going to do this, and I will not allow anything to keep me from it. Pray with with all your heart, earnestly, fervently. Uh, Repent with your whole heart, completely, complete 180. Turn away from, get rid of the things that are wrong, and go back to what is right. Serve the Lord with all your heart, not dividing. You cannot divide your service. You can either serve God or you can serve yourself. Love the Lord with all your heart. Be willing to give up everything else. And trust God with all your heart. Confide in and follow without reservation. Why? Because He's never failed. You can talk about this with different relationships and you can say, well, trust, yeah, no, my spouse has failed in this area. Love, no, failed in this area. Serve, no, failed in this area. Uh, uh, Turn from, no, failed in that area. Prayer, asking, failed in that area. Obeyed, failed in that area. Seeking, failed in that area. Praise, failed in that area. You can do that with every single person in your life, but you cannot do that with God because God has never failed. So praise Him. He deserves it. Seek Him. He is worthy. Obey Him. He knows what's best for you. Pray uh, to Him because He has all the answers. Repent from the wrongdoing and turn to Him uh, because He is the right direction. Serve Him with everything that you've got. Love the Lord with all your heart as He's loved you and trust in Him because He's never failed you. Maybe draw closer to God today and maybe do it with all of our heart. Lord, I pray for your help today. I believe we have people that are here today that desire to love you, that desire to obey you, that desire to trust you, that desire to have a better prayer life, that desire to obey better, to serve better, to praise better. Lord, I pray that you would teach us the importance of giving all of our heart, of doing each of these things with everything that we have towards you. God, as we've seen, you are worthy. You are the only one who is worthy, the only one who is deserving. And God, I pray that today you'd be able to get the pettiness out of our lives. Or that you'd be able to get the pride out of our lives, the selfishness out of our lives, the bitterness out of our lives. Lord, that you'd be able to empty us of ourselves and fill us with you. Lord, help us to do better today and in the coming week, weeks and months and years. Lord, that we will truly give our whole hearts to you. Lord, we can only do that with your help, so we ask for it today. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's go ahead and break uh, for lunch today. And once we're set up, we'll pray, uh, pray for the meal today.